0: We were talking about earlier what everybody's first beginning odd jobs were in music. I used to play taps on the trumpet.
1: (laughs) Okay, very different. It's not for funerals.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's for funerals.
1: (laughs) These are like small town activities, like doing the local Mexican restaurant jingle and playing trumpet at people's funeral. Yep. Damn. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and then we had, it was like me and this other dude yeah. and it was like December 3rd. So it's oh, like already like freezing minus cold. 84 degrees. So the notes were a little off. Well, my key, my uh, valves froze Oh, and it froze with one valve down and it taps is open. So he was, but and it was like a call and response thing. I was like off in the distance. I was like, dun, dun, dun. And it was like, dun, dun, dun. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <Aww. laughs> but they said it actually was cool. Like it ended up being like this very, it felt like this cool vibe
1: whoever (laughs) funeral it was they did it they came down to fuck with you they were
0: like oh I'm gonna freeze this kid's shit
1: yeah because they were like now I'm in the spirit world I can at least fuck with this at my funeral and make it special and like different
0: what were your first odd jobs in music probably wedding band
1: Uh, no, not my first hell. No. I, the first time I ever performed in front of an audience was like this night. I wish I could remember the name of it. Our church would have gatherings in the fellowship hall. And one night they had like an open mic or like talent night. And I was like, holy shit, me and my girl group are going to go and do this (laughs) like song from like a Christian boy band or something. I only perform songs from Christian boy bands too. I don't like why I didn't perform songs by girl groups. Wow, oh, right. or like solo stuff. Really, it was mostly like all plus one, which is like yeah, my totally, shit growing up. Oh and I did this. No, it was actually a rock band shit. Seven Day Jesus. Whoa,
0: Seven Day. Did that, Jesus. that just I don't take even, you back? I don't. I don't even know who that is. Oh
1: shit. <laughs> okay. Seven Day Jesus. I need I to. I need up. to pull it up because this um, album totally changed my life and the inspired me. Six I want to find out what they're doing now. Like I did that yeah. with Plus One, and I was like, whoa. So I d- performed the song for the first time, and one of my friends in grade school came up after and was like oh my god it was so exciting because he was like you sound just like Britney Spears
0: oh wow high praise
1: (laughs) high praise and I was I was just like yoked I was like okay this is my life's purpose now is to become this performer
0: yeah
1: and so that was my first and then they invited me to be joined like the church band or something by the time I got to middle school I think this was like the cusp of middle school. It's like, right, like sixth, fifth grade or sixth grade. Yeah. 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 I was psyched. So that was my first gigs. And then uh, they had me sing the national anthem at every fucking thing. (laughs) Oh, uh, yeah. Really? Which is cool, but it's also like kind of like, okay. It kind of started to feel like work already. Yeah. And then by the time I was in the wedding band in college, I was 17, 18, something like that.
0: 18 probably. Yeah.
1: That was... um, definitely work like we had to rehearse for months
0: yeah and you got to know so much so like much s- four to six hours so many songs. of music yeah yeah and do they take so. requests in those situations like can people at weddings be like
1: can you play this yes if or we fucking know it
0: okay, okay so okay. that's
1: the key like people think that we just know every song right. and we know a lot i yeah. mean <laughs> six hours of hit music yeah. is like kind of there you can kind of narrow it down yeah and then like new shit that's being played like because different um, clients would say like, well, me and my wife's song is this. So oh, like so you, so have you have to learn, learn it. it. I yeah. had to sing a song in Russian one time. That oh, was yeah.
0: I love that story. So wow.
1: challenging. And They
0: thought like they came up to you speaking Russian afterwards because they thought you knew how to speak. Yes. It, right?
1: So that was the ultimate. That was the totally. ultimate compliment. That's That's it, yeah. You, like Hebrew singing Hebrew is so totally cool. I got that down <laughs> Spanish. I've done a lot
0: of Latin. Yeah. yeah I was, yeah, was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're like just talented in language things. Have you ever. Tried? I just
1: I'm obsessed with language and, and accents and stuff like that so yeah,
0: yeah that's interesting because language to me is like <laughs> i could barely got one yeah i barely, barely got one yeah uh, uh, fuck i'm from Maine.
1: man people that know more than one language it's very impressive it is yeah it's very impressive. and like
0: most of the world it's everywhere except for here yes yeah
1: it's pretty wild Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Your safe space for self-discovery, bad bitchery. This is House of Herbie. I'm your host, Queen Herbie. We have Jedi Nick over here co-hosting. We have podcast Alice, Alice hiding in the corner. Uh, not hiding, but the the exciting thing about today's episode is that we are actually closing out season two oh, shit. of your favorite podcast. And I cannot wait to share with you what the topic is. This season was epic. This was so epic. We yeah. explored so much with you, and it's been such an honor and a privilege to be on this journey. If you learned anything, um, we love that. If you didn't learn anything, you just like to hang out. We love that even more. Um, but the, the topics we covered, imposter syndrome, people pleasing, letting go, failure, leadership, being the black sheep, narcissism, stress, happiness, fitness, courage, motivation, flow state, astrology, and more. Yeah, That was a shitload. Whoa. This was like a thick season. Yeah. Um My dreams have come true, sharing in this growth with you all, and as we step into this quick break, ending season two, I want you to remember that we are doing a bunch of fun shit on Patreon. Mm-hmm. So during this short break, I want you to know that we are discovering our dopeness at deeper levels um, in addition to the extended aura cleanses, We will be adding guided meditations and a live chat experience. Ooh. So join us, Patreon.com/slash House of Herbie, if you miss us. But today's subject is so important, and we are going to jump right in. So for a long time, this bothered the shit out of me. Okay, this is this is one of these like triggering episodes. Where we're going to heal this, and we're going to reclaim cringe, cringe. Yeah is the vibration of shame, fear and the clown emoji, which is so insulting. <laughs> Clowns are like so cute. Like why would you t- why would you do that? Um More terrifying. The way I see cringe is a form of bullying. Uh and I believe that cr- cringe or at least the way that it is now before we transform it here on on House of Herbie, it, cringe is a detriment to creativity and authenticity. That's how I see it. So let's talk about cringe. What are your experiences with cringe, Nick?
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, thanks, Amy. Oh, man, so many experiences.
1: It's so fun to be vulnerable cringe. and expose ourselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, so many. I mean, and musically, there was a lot of um, Carmen, to be frank, yes. for me. You yep. know, I know we had different varying perspectives on that. you know, yeah. So we had different backgrounds and different things in music, but... Yeah, that was that was that was wild for coming from like a jazz world to then having you know being in like kind of like the teeny bop like pop thing for yes. like a hot second um so there was a lot of that a lot of like imposter syndrome but also just it was okay so I guess we'll just start with the, with that I there was uh let's see other times I've, I've felt cringe is like oh learning at the beginning of Queen herbie learning producing
1: oh yeah yep. You know, you would make something that was bad and feel like, oh,
0: cringe, like yeah. this is
1: so bad. Or we would try like different concepts and be like, wow, we really that's embarrassing.
0: It's exposing and uh, incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. But and I know we're going to get to this, but go ahead. How, how about you?
1: Well, I was about to say I've been enjoying the show Dave on Hulu, which is Lil, Yo, Lil dude, it's so good. It's little Dicky show. And I we highly recommend it if you uh, love comedy. And it's it's a the whole show like is a little cringy and in the best way possible. And what I love about him is he confronts everything like so vulnerably, like it's, it's just wild to me. But um, I would say my first experience with cringe was when we got a Rolling Stone magazine review for our first album Mm
0: -hmm. on the record
1: label. Mm -hmm. And I think he may have even used the word cringe or something similar. It was almost like, this journalist and I don't even know, I think it's a grown man. Right. And we were like young 20 somethings like trying to make our debut. And we were so proud of it. And like my, I felt like my perspective at the time was so I was able to put so much of myself in the songs, even though I still wasn't even my full authentic self yet. Right. Right. And so it was pretty staggering. And what I realized is Dave on Hulu included, like he says he hates all of his previous work As a creative person, and all of y'all listening to this podcast are, we need your art, and you are so important. You are going to, at some point, hate what you did before. I think that's just inevitable. And I love how Dave talked about it, as he was like, well, of course, I'm always getting better. So why would I, you know, there comes a time, though, when you can start to really embrace your whole self and your journey, and that's when you start overcoming cringe, I believe. Oh yeah. And so that I remember feeling so shitty when that Rolling Stone review came out. Like I was so embarrassed. I was like, this dude doesn't understand me where I'm coming from and how far I've come. And he's discounting all the kids who grew up with the same experience and who love Carmen and who resonated and tried to reduce us to nothing. Yeah. So it's bullying is what it is. So even when you do it to yourself versus when other people's do it to you, uh, I just think this is something we can overcome. It's like so outdated.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What we have always found, I don't know if you, uh, do you have other thing you want me to just like? Keep going. What we have found is also with, with cringe is that whenever something revoked, it sparks a huge reaction from people. <laughs>
1: Right, and makes them scream the word "cringe" or-, or
0: whatever that is. A, you know, we we it took us years to understand this, but it is a reflection of what they're experiencing. Mm. You know, there's something that they saw in in you that was a mirror or something that caused them this this very like egoic, volatile reaction that made them be like, "I, I hate it," but also like <laughs> everybody have what you start to learn when you get to trying to promote your art or whatever it is, if you're, you're putting yourself out there is that what you're looking for or what they're looking for, the people trying to promote it is a reaction. Mm. They're looking for a reaction. <laughs> right. And if you are getting a re- that strong of reaction, whether you think it's perfectly in line with what you want it to be or not, right. Or whether it means you're, you're in the vicinity now and now you just gotta, you gotta fuck with it until you want to change a couple things about it, whatever it is. Right. People having the reaction is exactly what PR teams are going to go for. Yes. Yes. No matter what. (laughs) So it is actually right. And in today's world, it's dealing with having a large audience reacting to your shit with a screen in front of you. So they don't say it to your face. You know, they're going to say a lot of crazy shit. But anyway, the cringe was such an essential. It's what made it iconic. Yes. Eventually, you know, you look at all these past people like their whatever was the the worst thing that they thought was like total horseshit ended up being they like just kept doing it and stuck around, and it became like iconic behavior. Yes. When at the, the beginning it was considered
1: cringe. Yes. I was enjoying the Wham! documentary on Netflix too, which is basically George Michael's Carmen. <laughs> right before he became George Michael, he was in a group called Wham with an exp- explanation point. Yeah. Exclamation point. Explanation. you
0: know all of the songs, but I didn't you even know. You know, it was they have real.
1: hits on hits on hits. And it's like you see the way that they dressed and like some of the feedback that they they share with you in the doc how much people attacked them, like critics hated them, but like the public loved them. So keep all of this in mind as we're approaching this very uncomfortable topic, because I think by the end of this episode, you're going to have a lot more compassion and empathy, empathy for yourself. And then also for other people that may be trying to maybe, maybe telling you that what you're doing is cringe when really it's just a mirror of what they're experiencing for themselves. So, so the way that I would define cringe, if some of you are listening and you're like, well, I don't know if I've really felt that way about my shit. So cringe is literally something you said or did even years or decades ago that still produces embarrassment, shame, remorse, or humiliation. Like, how could I be such an idiot? I can't believe I did that. Right. And you sort of wince. It's trauma is what it is. And it's self-inflicted because keep in mind, even if other people think that what you did was cringe, they don't have time. To linger on what you did, right? And it's usually what I have realized over time is it's self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have this catalog in your brain of these cringe moments. Some of you they're alphabetized and color-coded. Like you really, like some people really suffer from this and they are not even aware. And so I think that's why we really I want to dive in deep and just like let's clean out the let's clean out the closet. So they say. Um so let's say for you a cringe moment was like an argument you had with someone and you're like, wow, I was definitely wrong. <laughs> right? Let's say there's an outfit you wore. Like how many times have I been on the worst dress pages? I was I'm actually proud of those
0: now. Yeah, but you've always loved those.
1: I, I at first I was intimidated and I was like, oh no, but I knew I always knew that I was like, <laughs> a unique fashion person just
0: a bit outside just
1: a bit outside you know like and when i saw gwen stefani on there in the in the early 2000s i was like okay this is where i belong then if people hate her outfit or what i love is like the award shows when everybody's wearing beige or black and then like the people wearing color are put on the worst dress i think they may have gotten rid of the worst dress pages because they realized it was bullying oh yeah Especially now with all the awareness around like queer culture and like people are out here being themselves, like being authentic.
0: And that was another, I don't know how You far. can't do
1: that anymore. You can't no. say this is the worst direct, like what right. the fuck
0: was that about? Another thing that I think is changing a lot of this too is the, I mean, I guess it's patriarchy. So for so long, only like the straight dudes or like straight dude energy kind of ruled all of reviews- Right. So they were, it was Rolling Stone. That was, that was the culture. Totally. A and, woman would never have said that. And like, we've talked about, about this a few times, but one of the main criticisms of Carmen and of you and your, you know, your energy was camp. Right. And then literally three years later, it was the theme at the Met Gala. <laughs> the Met so, Gala was camp. So yeah, it's like, like f- as the, the different kind of energy is becoming uh, aware, is becoming uh, available, main, yeah, mainstream in culture. Yeah. It's like still, but the the old roots of how they thought something was good or not was still in the old world. Right. So when something new comes in, it's always going to get a a very, you know, change is always uncomfortable and people usually hate it.
1: And this is a pattern. Like you can see this happening almost every decade. Like we're getting closer and closer to actual freedom. And what I'm going to get to in this episode is that basically if we overcome cringe, we can still be cringe, but at least we're free. Right. And which one would you rather have? Would you rather be in shame or would you rather have freedom? And so let's say it's uh l- argument. Like I said, you, the ugly outfit you wore, it's a one night stand. You're embarrassed. You slept with this person. Mm. You got intimate with somebody and that was just, and now you're like, wow, that was not, you know, um, professional decisions, decisions you make about your life or at work, uh, that one last drink, right? It's like, why why did i do that then i got up and sang that karaoke song and then i fell and i broke my nose like it's a lot oh, no. right those are like moments that we really are hard on ourselves about it's the ones that
0: wake you up at 3 a.m and you're like ah
1: okay the macarena
0: <laughs> what
1: i'm gonna pivot into the macarena real quick okay we're gonna talk about this Let's do it the macarena was never intended to be taken seriously and i want to talk about what happens when you have something like the Macarena, a song, a piece of art, an outfit, uh, the way that you act. And it gets so popular, right? Because Carmen also just like blew up. Mm-hmm. And it was like, we were the darlings of, like the Macarena was being played at people were like, you wait, you know, the song, oh, my God, do you know the dance? And it was so big. And then everyone hated it. <laughs> so now I'm observing cringe, like, hold on. Y'all are just mad because we're winning, right? And it's like you're just hating. You're just hating this thing. It got so big, everyone's obsessed, and then they discard it. And this is toxic behavior.
0: This also happened. It never needed
1: to be hated upon that that intensely.
0: Totally, we were watching the Bee Gees doc, and this also happened to the entire disco genre. The
1: entire genre
0: (laughs) Uh, of staying alive was so big that literally an anti disco movement became mainstream. (laughs) Because that song was so fucking huge.
1: So you're starting to feel that the nature of cringe is just not real. So so the fact that we store... It's toxic behavior the way that it works. It's bullying. And then we internalize these things and we can't let them go and we hang on to it and it basically limits our trajectory as creatives because then we're afraid to do things that are authentic to us. So on your journey of freeing your inner artist and giving us your art, which we need very much, you will likely encounter cringe moments. Um, so let's, let's work through like how we identify this as it happens, because a lot of times you're unaware as it's happening as a creative. So let's first identify, is it other people saying that you're cringe or is it yourself cringing, right? That's like the first thing that I like to pull because I was like, when I got that Rolling Stone review, I was like, damn, this is, and I think we wrote a rap song or something and I like tried to diss him or something. Um, but at the time, what I didn't realize y'all is that it wasn't even what the journalist said about me. It was that I hadn't even observed in myself that I was campy. I didn't even know what camp meant. I assumed it was bad by the language that he, re- that he wrote <laughs> and the one star review. Uh, one yeah. out of five stars, right? I was like, okay, it must be bad to be camp. And so I didn't even get a chance to analyze if it was him or me. And what happened is his hatred became my own self-hatred. And then I spent like years trying to come back to who I really was, which was camp. Yeah. So I lost years not identifying it. So I just want to get, even if you get nothing else from this episode, if you can just, next time you feel that shame or embarrassment, or like you start turning red in the face about something, take just a moment for you. And again, let's siphon it off, put it off to the side, put some space around it and just look at this fucker and be like, yo, maybe I'm doing this to myself because that guy's opinion actually doesn't matter. Hello. They hated the Macarena. They hated disco two of like the biggest things in music ever to ever happen. So you can't, so maybe you can't even reach that level of success without experiencing
0: this. Especially not in today's world, man, especially everybody in the world now has a, like a, a opinion that can be heard and seen by anybody else. And, you know, you could literally like, it used to be like, Oh, that was over there. That was a bad review or they hated the shitty movie I was in, but I'm never going to see those comments or you know to my face or anything. for sure now the internet you totally do it's right in front of you
1: i mean imagine if i don't know maybe david bowie was not affected by other people's opinions but i felt yeah. like he was able to go full into his craft and artistry as weird as it was yeah and he never suffered that cringe energy yeah, maybe I think, he was also advanced at ignoring the critics, yeah. right? Some
0: people, I think it's so ingrained in, it's so obvious who they are from an early age. He
1: was so authentic that people couldn't bully him.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a huge—you even talked about this. There's there's a huge thing now that you're claiming your space too. People can't come for you anymore, or it, yes. it feels like you have. You're like, all right, well, so sure.
1: It's a magical thing. Like the more authentic you start being the less people come for you because they can't. And if they do, you don't
0: care there was a great part in the Andy Warhol diaries or something. Yes. Where oh, this quick interview. Oh, the best. What's the, I'm going to fuck it up. I know, me too. I think reporter, I recorded it. Yeah, oh, some reporters fault. talking to him and they're like, uh, well, what do you say to critics who say uh, that
1: what, your art is oversimplified and, and it's, it's bad. Not, it's
0: not even art and that they, you know, what do you say, um, do you have any corrections to them or do you, you know, yeah. do you have any responses What's to it? them? And he's like, no, I, I I, can I think, I think they're right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know and he I mean? said it so nonchalant and he's got like his crazy wig and it's like never brushed. So
0: it's like, there's <laughs> it's such, just
1: wonderful. Like I want that freedom.
0: There's such freedom in not having to defend yourself sometimes with that. It's like, oh yeah, no, I could, I could see that. And you and then all blow of a sudden it's like,
1: people's minds.
0: All, there's nothing to attack anymore. Right. This is a thing that they fucking say about enlightenment apparently. Really? Yeah. Well, they're like, as soon as you're, if you take any defense of a position, uh-huh. that means there is still attachment. Mm. If you take any defense of any position, Mm -hmm. that means there's still some attachment. Yeah. And the, you know, the key is once you don't have any attachment to anything, then everything is suddenly, is just immediately attracted to you. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever you want. So it's, there's no, there's no resistance to it anymore. So it's a fascinating
1: positionality or something. Yeah. Cause then I started thinking when I read that same excerpt, I was like, Oh, thinking about all the people in my life who have to take a position on something.
0: Yeah. Oh, myself included.
1: Yeah, of course it feels good and, and you should stand for something, right? But it's fun to like look at both sides, right? Like it's this AI conversation is nonstop and I feel like I started to take a position on it like, no, it's going to help artists, but I definitely see how AI could hurt artists significantly <laughs> killing creativity. So it's like equally terrifying as it is something that could fix so many things in our world.
0: But that's usually how it goes.
1: And so what you kind of have to do is surrender yeah. and have good intentions that's it. That's kind of it. So you've identified now is if it's you cringing or it's other people. If it's you, obviously there's levels to this. Now is it just like a couple triggers? Like are you are you cringing at everything you do? I read a couple of interesting like art. You know those um like Quora and like those search. I love these sites. There's always some vulnerable real person who's like, hey, I'm triggered by everything I do. Uh, I come home from like a social experience and I'm like. What the fuck? Like, I th- think I just like ruminate on all the stuff I did. And, and like, I didn't realize that you can get stuck in these anxiety loops that are really hard to deal with when it comes to cringe.
0: And they're hard to get out of.
1: Yes. And so yeah. I was inspired just reading that to make a guided meditation for social anxiety. And so I posted that to the Patreon. If y'all are interested in like some longer, um, like therapeutic, like recordings, I made that this week just based on this post. Cause I couldn't believe um how this person like felt every like you can get in a loop where you think everything you do is cringe and then it's paralyzing you can't create anything yeah and so the responses thankfully on this site were like hey hey bro like love you so much like you should you should get a therapist to help you navigate and reroute some of those thought processes because when you get there sometimes you get stuck
0: yeah, yeah and so
1: he was grateful and hopefully he's on a healing journey now Um, but for me, I, something that really helped me when I was like, why am I always cringing about this? Right. I just started getting really curious about it. Like, what is it about this thing that makes me feel shame? And I started it like siphoning it off and like looking at it, I was like, Hmm, like with a little microscope. And for me, like one example for me was learning about cultural appropriation. Like that helped me so much to get curious and fucking learn about it and then start learning how to talk about it. Right. I still to this day have to keep practicing, but I feel way less lost and way less hopeless. And now I don't have those moments where I'm like cringing at myself Mm -hmm. for something I could have easily just researched and solved
0: that's another huge layer on that too is this book called White Fragility it's an amazing book <laughs> oh, it's so good because every white person has it and myself included and she says like this is the reaction that you're going to have when it's brought up yep. and it's literally it's every emotion you feel to a T yes. it's a great read if you guys want to but it's and it's I think it's important for white people yeah. to definitely very important for white people to it's read. heavy but, anyway. but it's
1: soul work and it's super super effective yeah, so I also you... love me and white supremacy the Layla, yep. Layla F. Saad book it's really really life changing yep but feeling embarrassed about everything you do and your mind will not shut up about it is like just not a good way to live. And so it, I, I find that, you know, obviously therapy will really help you navigate your way out of it. If you're like our friend on Quora who, that I read about, I was like, yeah, definitely get somebody to help you navigate Because it does become like a forest of confusion after a while. It does. And all it is is you're just neglecting self-care at that point.
0: And what you just said, be curious, it's the uh, Byron Katie book. It's investigative thinking Yes, what you're doing to yourself.
1: Investigative, yes.
0: It's investigative thinking. That's what she calls it. So there's a whole, we've mentioned this a few times, but Loving What Is by Byron Katie. So good. She gives you a worksheet to do actual, like this is, you know, start here, write this. Great. Now write this and write this. And it's an actual worksheet for you to stop and investigate your own thoughts.
1: Let's remember to put, uh, let's like quote her and use some of her things, but like simplify it for the Patreon folks. Cool. Cause not everybody is also going to pick up a 500 page book Well, be or good, ha- right. It's like, we need to a good make piece it of content as for you, we should too. tag her. Like everybody needs their information shortened so we can help you get there faster. That's like, really the key. And I think that I did the worksheet and it really helped me from like three different situations I was struggling with. Yeah. So it's super cool. Um, yeah, if you're buried, if you're buried in cringe and the weight is too heavy to bear alone, highly recommend therapy, just even a couple sessions just to get out of the woods, um, because anxiety and depression can require additional support. Um, for me, like my sessions were, I was surprised how just sitting with someone who's unbiased, Right? They didn't have any agenda to like have me to fix me. They mm-hmm. just sat there and listened and were non judgmental and sort of guided me. Yeah. Um, it's just a really good environment to like air out the shit and take steps towards fixing, um, <laughs> curing your cringe. Um, and accepting yourself leads to, okay, starting to accept and overcome the cringe leads to confidence and. New experiences. So keeping it bottled up is just like silly. We need your art. Like let's go. So what if it's other people cringing? What if it's other people cringing? Like we said earlier, it's like a mirror, right? So others recognize that cringe in themselves, and they're triggered because they're programmed to avoid that behavior. So when you are like being the black sheep or the purple cow, or you like stick out, and people are like, oh my god, cringe. It's because in the historically, like they would die. Yes. You would give away their position and they would not be safe. Right. And this is a leftover from like evolution. Basically, Yeah, this is why people are. This is really the root of people's triggers and cringe is like it makes you feel unsafe. You it's not. It's the opposite of courage. Yeah. Um, Because we're safe now. Right. It creates cognitive dissonance in people and FOMO. What I realized, too, when people are like, cringe, oh, my God, you're such a clown. I hate it. Uh, oh, my God, I could never wear that. Let me show you how to, uh, right? Like, we sell the opposite of cringe. So if it's something that really attacks your life, consider a career <laughs> in showing off your shit and encouraging other people, because this is this is just outdated system. But I think a lot of people feel FOMO. I think deep, deep down, everybody wants to be free and authentic. Yeah. I think that's
0: for sure true. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but it is—it's really fucking scary sometimes. Yes, <laughs> it's really fucking scary. What if they don't like it? Or if a lot of people talking to a lot of friends—if they're trying to start something that they know they would probably really enjoy or really be good at or yep. whatever—having um, to like cope with not having. Totally starting from zero. Yeah. So like really not having an audience and that like embarrassment, that cringe feeling that you get about that.
1: What's wild to me is like, I wanted to find a way to do more things that I would, the old me would think was cringe. I want to get more courage. And I started following people that I was like cringe at. I I, I started flipping it where I was like, oh, I could never wear that thing that she's wearing. And I would follow these accounts of people that wore things that I wish I had the courage to wear And I started wearing them. And now I look back at my old stuff and I'm cringing because I didn't express myself fully enough. Mm. Right. So just remember, like, you're going to want to be on the other side of it. It's going to always exist. And you're always going to need to be aware of cringe, but it's like become besties with her, like get follow people that make you uncomfortable because that's going to push you to like try new shit. I was, I was surprised when I noticed that about myself by the way, if it's other people cringing, um there are multiple studies that show that we consistently overestimate the impact of our shortcomings. <laughs> Like, if you are actually fucking up, like, and you did something that was cringy or what people perceive, I don't even know if that shit is real now, but if you do make people cringe, like we vastly overestimate (laughs) how much of a fuck people actually give. Like if they, if they leave, they leave a comment, that's just like the clown emoji, which again, I uh, shout out to all of our actual creative clowns out there. There's people who do this for a job and they're very fucking talented. I hate that they use this, but I I think about when people just post the clown emoji, I'm like, that took no effort effort at all they're not thinking about you past the next two seconds right and like literally no one saw it no one cares it maybe even makes you more legit (laughs) right to be getting that attention
0: yeah and people also think that um everybody's watching every move of their life yes it's like oh my god this is so embarrassing everybody's watching this (laughs) and it's like no we're fucking not, dude.
1: Even if they do. We don't
0: know is seeing this. They already
1: moved on. Like, they were already moved they on. They definitely forgot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it becomes so personal. Yeah. That's why the fucking, that four agreements thing is so important. Because one of the four agreements is don't take anything personally yeah. at all. Really, on any level. It's easier it's said than done. That's what but, I mean. But, yeah. but you, when you get to that place, it's, you're fucking free. Yeah. You're completely free.
1: Yeah. That is so funny. People don't care as much as you think. Yeah, totally. We can make a cross stitch of that, you know, and just hang it up in the house. Like it's a, it's people a don't care as much as you think.
0: Put it on a t-shirt.
1: That's very liberating. Um, so, you know, you know, if somebody is cringing at you, right, it's coming from someone else, you know, they are struggling with their own embarrassment. That's the hack, right? Somebody else is saying that you're cringe. They are struggling internally with their own embarrassment. It's overflowing out of them. Ugh. They can't contain it. They have to put it on you. And after this episode, you're going to be equipped with the perspective that you need to realize, oh, I can just be compassionate and empathetic towards these people because I've overcome it to the point. Now I look back at that, that, and I'm like, oh, I used to be like that. That's embarrassing to me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, In my song pre-roll, I have a bar like pre we posted it recently and people are like oh my god when does the song drop <laughs> it's like pre-roll has been out for years kids but i love i love it here i love that we make our art and it still matters years later you can repurpose it recreate reuse it but one of the lyrics in pre-roll is if their life was good would they give a fuck right like when i'm talking about haters it's like would they even be here like wasting their energy leaving a comment mm. if their life was like popping? right? That's very like surprising realization when you, when you come to that.
0: Yeah. And it's by discovering it in yourself first.
1: Yes. (laughs) That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, the way that I see cringe, whether it's you cringing on yourself or other people cringing at you, it's like become this like social clout and power, but it's like cheap and unsustainable. So don't do it. I mean, don't even bother. It's, It's very silly. So I guess the, the key to stopping the cringe cycle is self-acceptance, right? Which is kind of like the first step to self-discovery. So if you're listening to this podcast, you probably don't even need this advice. You're already digging deep and like discovering your dopeness at deeper levels. But um, before you can say like, wow, I'm so dope. Look how deep my dopeness goes. You have to like at the baseline be like, I accept myself. I accept my cringe stuff. And then you start getting curious and you're like, well, maybe this shit that makes me cringe is actually like awesome. And how could you frame it to be so? Like, I think that's, that was huge. If somebody could have told me back that back in the day when I got a bad (laughs) review on Rolling Stone and be like, no, like actually camp is fucking exquisite. Mm -hmm. And it's like a genre that Anna Wintour will be recognizing soon Mm -hmm. in vogue.
0: (laughs) There's another thing that you're really good at. And we were maybe this was still as like the YouTube era was loading and stuff, mm-hmm. but now they're with YouTube and all this, there's so much information on everything. Mm-hmm. So if you don't know about camp, like it's available to you now True. to go like look it up and, and learn that there's a whole rich history behind it and it influences all these other genres or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's, it gives you more of a perspective on, um, you know, I yourself and the art form that you're in, I guess. Absolutely. Also, speaking uh to the Rolling Stones article, didn't you eventually get the cover? Or was that, that yes. article?
1: Right. That no, was that, that was interesting. Was different,
0: right? That was the yeah. That was the karmic payoff, yeah, right? Totally. There. It must have been. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it was a year or two later.
1: Yeah. They did not let me be campy on the cover. But it was no, definitely very it, joyful yeah. and, it's a and cute cover. It's really cute. No, yeah. I'm, I'm really happy with you know it. That,
0: yeah. I told you, right? That I remember uh when remember when posters used to, you could like get them to the store? That I remember seeing that one. Oh shit! At a Walmart.
1: No way. Yeah, that's pretty cool.
0: (laughs) At a Walmart. At a Walmart.
1: Oh yeah, they printed a bunch. I think my parents have one in their basement. They do. Which made me really. It made me cry, like when I saw it this time, because I sometimes think like, oh, they think my life is like so crazy. They they probably cringe, right? (laughs) They cringe at my life, and then you go home and you see like that poster hanging in the basement, and you're like, this is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So self acceptance, right? Um, Even if other people don't accept you, the parents is a great example. Like the first thing my therapist said was like, they're never going to accept you. They're going to die with their acceptance. So you have to accept your fucking self. And that was just like mind blowing to me to think that I could give all of this love to myself and this acceptance and I could heal all these things, right? That's what I hope that you've gained from this season of the podcast is that you are fully capable of doing all this shit and any scary shit and yucky shit that comes up is completely solvable and you now have a community too to do that with i think that's so lit so the key to discovering yourself is to own it the awkward parts of yourself the show dave helped me with it a lot because you can always go further too even yeah. after i thought i had fully accepted myself this is like i want to say 18 months ago two years ago and then i met some new friends like shout out to Fon and M. like they made me feel even more safe and i was like Oh, and it was around the time of Halloween, I think. And I had just cut my hair really short. And like my boyfriend in sixth grade dumped me because I cut my hair short. And I realized like I was so afraid. And now I want to cut it even shorter. I'm like, you just keep going. I'm going to shave it. So just know that there's, there's, there's the depths of your dopeness are so worth every every bit of time and energy you put into it. Um, There was a meme that like blew up. I didn't know about this, but when I was researching cringe, this meme came up and it's a cow standing in the ocean. I don't know if you've seen this. No. No. And it just says, I am cringe, but I am free.
0: Wow. (laughs)
1: So just imagine this cow like standing at the edge of the ocean and the the waves are gently like (laughs) caressing its legs. And he's like, I am cringe, but I am free.
0: That's great. Wow. That's great.
1: And so I think there is like a movement happening where people are, even my, my favorite astrologer, Maddie Murphy, we had a reading with her last week and she was just guiding me through um, Cosmic Rx, by the way, on Instagram. She's so phenomenal. But she's guiding me through like the next, uh, you know, 18 years or something. She's like, a huge cycle is starting for you. And on a global scale, on a collective scale, people are moving aggressively towards being their authentic selves. Yeah. They're reassessing their values like, this is everyone. This is not just us here on House of Herbie. Like, everybody's experiencing this right now. And they're like, wait, maybe I don't want to be treated that way. Maybe I want to be this. And maybe, like, I don't need this old shit anymore. I can just step into who I am. And maybe it is safe for that now, thanks to this cow meme. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool now to be cringe.
0: Well, right. Because what is what is the thing that started fucking really blowing my mind is it's like, all of these, uh, you know, everybody thinks different things are cringe. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks different songs are good. Everybody thinks different clothes are cool. Yeah. And, there are, and, and on top of that, you have all of fucking, every country has like different cultures within the country. It's You've got to just find your people, man, and, and fuck everything else because it's so fucking real. You, it be, you do become a slave of other people's opinions then. Yeah, and you can never really uh another thing we were just uh watched the Wham documentary mm, on Netflix yeah and it's uh it, I, we started talking about this earlier but like George michael was a member of it yeah you know who has like what did he say he has like 13 number ones in the yeah. uk or some some insane catalog. <laughs> a legend yeah yeah just like kind of like pretty much like a pop icon yeah and um he was gay and for the first you know 25 or 30 years of his life like he didn't he didn't he only told like one or two people. Yeah. So he just felt like really angry afterwards. Yeah. At the time lost. Yes. Where he couldn't feel like he could really be himself. He wasn't safe. It wasn't safe. And develop his right. And develop himself and develop his art. Yeah. So it is, it's a fascinating, yeah, because he didn't feel safe.
1: He didn't feel safe. No. Yeah. I mean, neither did um, Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Right. Neither did Elton John. Yeah. It's not just like one person thing. Like this was not a safe time. Wait a Elton John's gay. <laughs> Supplies. What? <laughs> Um, Another person I was thinking about just way random, uh, you know, switch, but Julia Fox. I remember when she came out or when Uh. uh, not came out, but when she came on the scene and she was like dating Kanye for five minutes Mm -hmm. and I thought, wow, this is a really weird person, (laughs) but in the most intriguing and fascinating way, it's like she is so at one with herself that it now feels embarrassing to hate her. You can't. Right. That's a really good example. So that's somebody I started following. I was like, I need this in my life. I need this energy. I want to be this free. Like we have to stand her. Isn't that interesting? Um, so it's a huge cultural shift toward letting go of what other people think. Um, it's impossible to exist on social media without cringe though. Yeah. Like it's just, it's going to take years for this to like filter out, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, but just the act of like posting something authentic about yourself is is like activism towards freeing people and it's going to improve everyone's life. I think if we can get there. Yeah. So maybe we can end the episode with talking about ways to like overcome this. Like if we're 111, um, if, if we are still, we listen to this podcast and we feel way more confident about our authentic selves and we want to start sharing it. Like what are some ways to practice um, overcoming cringe? What are some ways that we can sort of reduce this this feeling? Obviously, just like embarrass yourself on purpose. That's great. We
0: love that. <laughs> I guess it's, it's like facing that fear vibration and knowing that you're going to survive it. It's, and the more that you do it, the more comfortable you become in that because it, it feels hot. It does like the embarrassment feeling. You know what I mean? It feels hot. Yeah. You might start sweating like, actually. Like you do. Your, yeah. your heart accelerates. Like it's it's a very uncomfortable. It's
1: like exercise. It's very uncomfortable for me.
0: But it's just an egoic reaction. It's a, that your body is just reacting to it. Yeah. And you're producing these thoughts. It's, it's not real.
1: It does get easier.
0: And it does get easier. Yeah. And then from there, like you were saying too, like it, it kind of keeps evolving it with you. So things that, you know, you look back and say, oh, wow, I can't believe that. I thought that was cringe back then. Now it seems so tame. Yes. And then where you're at now and you're doing it and then six months from now you look back and if you can continue to want to, you know, develop yourself and say, oh, my God, that even six months ago felt so tame. I feel mm. like I barely knew who I was. Right. Compared to now. And it just keeps, you know, just keeps upping. And then you just continue to whittle down like you're your essence. Yep. And that's cool. And that's when really like fun, magical, like of, you know, alignment things happen.
1: And I think it genuinely affects the way that you create. I think absolutely our painters and our music people and our um, pottery people, like literally every category of creators out there, you're going to start making decisions now that are much more courageous. Your art is going to become more interesting. Yeah. And I think it's going to help you to reach new levels of success. I think so too. Yeah. Um, so another great way besides posting stuff that makes you uncomfortable is also just directly sharing stories of your failures, like directly just be like what I learned from the Dave show on Hulu is like, he literally just like, he's like, yeah, I have a sex doll. That's how I <laughs> like to masturbate. I'm yeah. Yeah. He's, he talks about his dick has like two holes in it. So he has <laughs> to like cover one up when pee he, when he pees. No, it's like Something so like, like some people would be and people have said this about him cringe da, 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 just like they said it about me. And so maybe that's why I love the show so much because um, he's also a, a white rapper. Right. And so he talks about appropriation, very like open, very um, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And it's just so healing, in my opinion. Um, but you're sharing those stories of failure and of, of discomfort and cringe is like a gift to humanity. Being vulnerable is kind of like the key. Yeah. To unlocking your greatness,
0: yeah, it is.
1: Um, And I think Dave's a great example of that. Um, Despite the imperfections of being human, we survive. Yeah, we're all flawed, and we're all still worthy of being loved.
0: And it feels when you're in those those uh, cringe bombs, Mm -hmm. it feels like you're going to die. Yes, (laughs) it can. But you never do. You always survive.
1: Must be pride. You probably And this like fake probably. ego perception of who we are. We no, think it we are, is, dude.
0: Because you're like, oh yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I should have. Uh, yeah, because it's a defense. You you have to feel like you need to defend yourself. They're wrong.
1: Yes, and that's yeah. why when I like made a rap like trying to get back at the journalist, I just it didn't feel good. Yeah. No matter how hurt you are by it, you just are like, but it's not me to like attack people when you know deep deep down that they're just suffering. Otherwise if their life was good would they give a fuck would they have even said right. any of that
0: Or if there's there's some something about it so for like from his angle that was bad mm. being camp was awful yeah but from another person's angle it was the reason that they bought a ticket to the show when they bought the album yeah so it's seeing being able to to see the reflections of the criticism as something that you can take away as a as a huge plus
1: and thankfully now the internet allows us to all exist maybe this is why it's becoming safer because we're finding our tribes right it's like that we'll guy had no business listening to carmen
0: and, and i think for what we're you know well, it's like it's
1: inappropriate
0: really what i was trying to say earlier too was like but that that vibration of people listening yeah you know was the standard in the industry yes Yes. So it was exactly. No, I, I totally agree. And now it's changing quite a bit. Yeah. We, but,
1: we went to a, a friend's birthday this weekend and we walked into this bar, and she had not been there before. She just kind of booked it and was like, let's, you know, hang out at this bar. Connected to the bar was a theater where they were having a concert and it was a metal band. <laughs> and so intermissions were very fascinating because I was sitting at the bar waiting for my friend to show up. And all these characters would come in from the metal show like full covered in sweat, full gothic body paint, like strange outfits and contraptions attached to them and just like drunk and like just so different. And as it was happening and I noticed too like my the group of friends that came were kind of like, "Whoa, this is different." You know, their eyes got really big. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like I am so in love with the challenge of trying to fully accept everybody and everything and see the best in it. Mm -hmm. And so I was so inspired by this because it felt like I stepped into a new world. Mm. I was able to visit and I felt completely safe. I talked to some of them. I got yeah, hit on by some of them.
0: Totally. Yeah, but also you had on a, for context, you had on
1: I, I looked like Rainbow, I belonged you with them. Did.
0: She had a black, uh, you know, you got dark hair, you had on black lipstick and a black dress. Yeah. So everybody just assumed they're like, oh, you're here for the show. They're like,
1: yo, did you love that? And I was like, yeah, dude.
0: It was really cute.
1: And so challenge yourself as you're going through this, because you're going to get good at this. Obviously, you're already good at so much. We need your art, blah. But like challenge yourself to like see other people's perspectives and put yourself in there and appreciate it and love it because I just felt pure love vibration in that moment where I could have felt uncomfortable. I could have like left, right? It's so ridiculous. I'm shaking my head. Like I can't, I would never do that, but I can see why other people do that Mm -hmm. because it's uncomfortable and they're like cringe. Like this guy's full paint face paint. It's just weird. Right. And he's so sweaty and so drunk. It's like No, he's having the time of his life.
0: He's got out of a mosh pit.
1: I want to know more about that. You know? Yeah. And that goes for any, that really could go for any category, even groups of people that frighten you, right? It's like, let me try to understand like where this is coming from. That curiosity is key. Oh, I also think for the new generation, doing all these things and being anti-cringe is showing young people that it's not the end of the world. Yeah. A lot of this younger generation has never not had the internet and we need to make sure that they're healthy mentally. Yeah. And they can survive and be artists too. We we're gonna need their art.
0: And be weird or be themselves or whatever that means. All of it. Yeah. So That's get cool.
1: get comfortable being uncomfortable. I think another good one is breath work. If you're having a hard time dealing with this and it feels overwhelming like you're drowning, like the Wim Hof method is one of our favorites, like meditation. Just try to get curious and get your inner space to feel safe enough for you to explore where the cringe is coming from.
0: A big thing I'm experimenting with right now is taking twice as long to do everything.
1: Ooh, tell us about that.
0: So you're going to brush your teeth. What if you took twice as long? Oh, (laughs) super clean t- <laughs> super clean <laughs> or you're like getting ready something what usually happens for me and is you just like do every, it more
1: elegantly and you pay attention to every button It
0: makes you have to you, slow down
1: isn't that interesting And
0: everything still gets done i feel like it's not going to because i continue to speed up and speed up and speed up and speed up and what happens is eventually it's just like you just burn yourself out and it's a dog chasing its tail you just kind of spin your wheels So if you just, and it, but it's, again, it's counterintuitive. So it feels awkward. But if you just slow everything down, Mm. like for real, everything becomes more manageable. Mm. Everything is less of a big deal. And the stress goes, it goes way down. Way down. And it becomes observable. Now you can, it becomes like, little so it is putting space around it. But I've been trying to do that just like, well, what if we, you know, what if we really just took our time today? Yeah. What, what happens?
1: It's a pretty nice day yeah. from my experience. I've had to do that a couple of times, even uh, hanging signs up in the house that are like, slow down, slow down bitch," <laughs> because you can get lost in these like brain loops of anxiety and stuff. And you just, you can't.
0: And this is how we're saying this for ourselves too. Cause this is how, this is how, like our default mode when we start getting excited or whatever, we always speed things up too much for sure. Yeah,
1: for sure. Um, another w- hack that I came up with that I I've done in the past, um, because you're cringing at what you perceive as flaws, right? So one thing I've done in the past is like I wrote out all the things that I was cringing about that I think are like flaws in myself. And I wrote a love letter to each of them. Like what if I was just obsessed with it? What if I thought like this thing about me was like, let's see, what's one thing that I hated about myself? Um, I thought I had a big nose. For a long time which is maybe true and now that i love it so much i'm like it's fine but i remember writing this letter of like i love how resonant it is and how it allows my voice to project and like do different tones and at one point i had pier I'd piercing and i was like oh this is an amazing nose it's so powerful and then i thought well if i were to change my nose in some way i would just look like everybody else because like the nose really anchors the face and like changes your whole character and then I saw some of y'all like started painting pictures of me and I and my nose. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm an icon because of my nose.
0: I love your nose.
1: Thanks. I love your nose, too. Stop. But I and that's the, that became the song beautiful where I was like, I love the way your nose curves. I love you with no makeup on and all these things. So maybe that's a helpful hack, too. If you're like cringing about there's something that's just on your mind all the time. Try writing a love letter to it. Um, because that becomes really funny too and silly, and it's it's important to lighten up in those moments because yeah embracing embracing your what you perceive as flaws leads to icon status, yeah, I promise, yeah, I saw like portraits of myself, and I was like, oh i'm like a timeless icon, <laughs> and if my nose was different, I just don't know it just wouldn't hit the same, yeah um
0: no I, I I remember one time we were talking about something, and you mentioned your nose. I was like, "You're not fucking touching."
1: It. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, it's definitely something I, you know, I, I would, I would love no. to like have giant tits." And like as time has gone on, <laughs> like I don't think I want giant tits. You want mine? Yeah. <laughs> and maybe someday I will right you also have the liberty to do right. anything and you it's want at no any judgment. time you want giant tits get fucking giant tits yeah but yeah. if it's bothering you or if it makes you cringe or something like really really embrace it and get curious yeah and see what it is so I hope this re- this recipe I hope this episode has helped you to understand a very uncomfortable topic and to realize that there are so many solutions and it's basically not even real. It is important that you do this work to overcome those programs and those limiting beliefs. But I believe that your art and the quality of your life will improve if you do so. Um, The recipe to stand out in our world is authenticity and vulnerability. That's how I see it. I think that's how Jedi Nick sees it. I think that's how Podcast Alice sees it. For sure. And we love you so much. This has been an incredible season.
0: It has. And uh, can we can we say we're also saying a good loving goodbye to Podcast oh. Alice? Yes. Aww, oh, you. we didn't kind, be kind of champagne. Loving. Kind of. Oh God, where's the champagne? Shit. See, no, we Podcast actually. Podcast Alice is is what you're now moving on to being an agent. Yeah, I'm going to be doing some. I don't know, a big boy job here. I go.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> Staying oh, no. in LA, but yeah. Yeah. So we, we will uh, definitely
1: be still be seeing a lot of him. of but.
0: course. And uh thank you for helping us do all the shit. Yeah. It's been this has been really fucking cool. And I'm really, really grateful part. that you were a part of it. I am too. Yeah. Yep. So we love you guys and end of season two.
1: Woo woo. We'll see you soon.